Welcome to a special edition of Gospel Truth with Andrew Womack, a teaching ministry focusing on God's unconditional love and grace. On today's broadcast, Andrew's joined by author and advocate for Christian apologetics, Alex McFarland. Internally, the Bible affirms itself. Externally, the evidence supports it. And if I'm going to believe God on eternity, I want to believe God on creation. And now, here's Andrew. Welcome to our Friday's broadcast of The Gospel Truth. All of this week, I've been interviewing Alex McFarland, and he's a good friend, and he's been ministering in our Bible college. I met Alex uh, maybe four years ago at a Breaking the Silence conference. He has a nationwide radio program live every day. No, uh, he's been teaching, um, what is it, Truth for the Next Generation truth conferences. For, truth for a New Generation. For the New Generation conferences for 22 years, over 100,000 youth that have gone through there. He's been on every television interview program, Fox News, uh, secular programs as well as Christian, and he's he spends a lot of time in a Christian apologetics, and so that's what we've been talking about this week. If you've missed any of the programs, I encourage you to go to our website, and we have everything archived there, and we've been advertising two of his books. This one on the 10 most common objections to Christianity, and this one, we've run out of time the last two days. Maybe you could plug this at the beginning and do it a little bit better. 21 toughest questions your kids will ask about Christianity. Well, you know, I do travel a lot and preach a lot, and I meet a lot of great people. And um, it dawned on me that I I wanted to talk to moms and dads about what their children were asking about spiritual questions. And so what we did with um, parents with kids ages 5 to 12, we we go over, really, there's about 70 questions, and there's 21 categories about kids ask this, if God made everything, who made God? And if, if, I, if I do bad, will God still love me, you know? Um, and things, how do you talk to a child about bereavement, you know, if a grandparent were to pass or something like that? And it's a book, really, that there's a lot of sweet stories in it, but really helping you shepherd your child to a relationship with Jesus. And when they have spiritual questions, we tell moms and dads, don't have a deer-in-the-headlights look, you know? A lot of parents will say, my my child asked me this or that, and I'm not a theologian. I don't know what to say. And I encourage moms and dads to really maybe do a little remedial work and make sure that you know the Lord. Make sure that you know the Word. Because if if mom and dad come off as, well, this is not really important, or you shouldn't ask questions like that, um, your child is going to translate that to mean this must not be very important. Mom and dad, you know, I think about Deuteronomy 6, and it, it says this, that we're to, you know, hero Israel, the Lord our God is one, and we put it on the doorpost of our house and our heart. And then I love Exodus 13. This is very poignant. It says, when it comes to pass that your son will ask you, why do we do these things? Then you will say, when Pharaoh would hardly let us go, God with a strong hand delivered us. The Exodus 13 passage is essentially saying that we live in such a way that there will be a time that our child would say, Dad, how do I have what you have? Isn't that the greatest moment of, of a parent's life when the child says, how can I know Jesus like you know Jesus? Mm-hmm. So this is a book, The 21 Toughest Questions Your Kids Will Ask, and it's designed to help parents ramp up and be ready 
to impart a biblical worldview to their children. And sadly, a lot of parents are so involved in their sports or whatever they're doing that it just takes time. I, but if you don't take time and train them when they're young, you will have time where you're having to deal with all of their problems as they get older. Amen. So you are going to expend a lot of time. It's just a matter of whether you do it preventative or curative. Exactly. Well, you know, and, and I grew up playing Little League Baseball and in high school and everything. I, if, if, if what I'm about to say ruffles some feathers, I apologize in advance. But so many churches I'm in, they'll say, we can't do youth mission trips anymore because, you know, the kids are in soccer. And we, we used to do Bible retreats, but you can't get kids away from, you know, sports. If sports would make a better America, we would have seen it by now. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have been eat up with sports That's for 50 right. years. And I know kids need exercise, but let me say this. Um, they need church and Jesus. And uh, impart an ethic of church in the heart of your child. Amen. So that's kind of what we talk about in that book. But I want to applaud you, Andrew. I've watched you for years, read your books. By the way, while we're talking about books, I want to say a book that is very near and dear to my heart. It's called Every Day with Jesus. And it is the best devotional book I have ever read. My wife and I read it every morning. You can call Angie and she will tell you every morning. And uh, how did you come to write that book? Well, actually, that was from my living commentary. Okay. It was my commentaries that I wrote, and I had somebody just go through and take the things that I was saying about the ministry of Jesus. It's all from the Gospels. Yeah. And uh, just put it into a 365-day devotional. Well, we have, we've loved it. I was here to teach, and I was in the lodge, and um, you had said to me, if you see any of the books in the office, you can have one. And... Um, I saw that book and that's one I took. But I applaud you for that, but I applaud you for doing biblical worldview. And, you know, worldview is, is really where the heat of the battle rages in our culture right now. I would say, Andrew, that America is in a battle of worldviews. Absolutely. And I would say this, that the ungodly, I'm going to get a lot of criticism even from Christians over this, but the ungodly leaders in our government are the greatest threat to America right now. Okay. It's not immigration, which, you know, we can debate immigration, and I believe that we need to deal with that. It's not these foreign powers. Mm -hmm. You probably would know this quote, but Abraham Lincoln said something about all of the combined armies of Europe, Africa, every place could not take a drink from the Mississippi. They couldn't do this. They could never overcome us. If America is ever destroyed, we have to destroy ourselves. Yeah. And we are doing that through the ungodly leaders in our government. And I'm going to call them out and say that the liberals, the anti-God, the one that wants to take in God we trust off of things, the one that wants to take the cross down and eliminate morality and godliness, that is the greatest threat to this nation that we face. Not foreign powers, not monetary, not any of these things. It's the ungodliness. Well, it is, and we've elected ungodly leaders, and part of it is, I think, because people have either not voted uh, and voted with conviction and principle. Not voting is voting. Well, it is. It, it is. is. You're, you're basically saying, I don't care, and you allow the ungodly who do care, basically you double their vote by you not being there to counter. Thank you. Well said, well said. Or people have not been informed. And they'll, they'll just go and, 
my family's always been a particular party. They'll vote. Be informed. And it takes work, but that's part of what we're supposed mm-hmm. to do as stewards. But th- there was a, a Cambridge historian whose name was Unwin, uh, and he said this, that this is the trajectory of cultures. There's protective, productive, prosperous, and promiscuous. Protective, mm-hmm. fight, build the nation. Productive, grow crops, build a house. But then there's prosperity. Heart, you know, you build a nation, you work hard, you become prosperous. Absolutely. But the, the final stage, and I think that's where we are, is promiscuity. Because there arises a generation or more, and they don't know what it took to give you what you've got. Um, I've got a, a scholar I read after, Rodney Stark. He's a Christian. He's a twice Pulitzer-nominated. And he, he wrote about how Christianity changed the world. But he said, what built America was, quote, the iron Protestant work ethic and the moral code of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stark, a Ph.D., renowned historian, sociologist, that iron Protestant work ethic, the, the biblical moral code, that gave us prosperity, that kept us civilized and orderly. And Andrew, you and I know there was a day in America, even when, you know, people that weren't church-going folk still had a little bit of reverence for the church. Oh, absolutely. And absolutely. a little bit of piety. But nowadays, people are brazen in their uh, mocking of God. Well, the biblical term for that is the fear of God. There used to be a fear of God even in people that didn't have a relationship with God. Yeah. Psalms chapter 36, verse 1 says, the, the transgression of the wicked says within my heart, there is no fear of God before their eyes. And we have people today such as, Pat, you know, the Senate voted on the Born Alive Abortion Survivors Act, and only three Democrats voted to keep a child alive if it survived an abortion, was outside of the womb, perfectly healthy, you could go ahead and kill it because they wanted it to die. Mm. And only three Democrats voted for something that would protect the life of a child outside of the womb. Uh, But all of the rest voted against it, and they voted that down. And so our nation now is voting and practicing infanticide. Yes. And uh, anybody who, I'm going to say this, anybody who votes for those people, you are an accessory to murder. Thank you for saying exactly what you you are complicit. I was on a radio show with a representative from Planned Parenthood, and notice this. Let me let me cue this up with a Bible verse, John ten verse ten. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Mm-hmm. Jesus said, "I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly." Okay, Satan could not kill God, so he's tried to harm the ones made in God's image. Part of Satan's M.O. is to debase, devalue, dehumanize human beings made in God's image. I was on this interview, and I was debating a Planned Parenthood rep, and she wouldn't say a baby or a human. She kept saying the product of conception. Um, And she would say aborting and and post-birth abortion. And I said, say it. It's a human being. Don't, Don't dismiss it as this amorphous product of conception. That is a person. There's a human being made in God's image. And, and she could not bring herself to mm-hmm. say a baby. Now think about this. Uh, and listen, our, our nation, since 1973, it would take about Adolf Hitler times 15 
or more yeah. to equal the number of babies we've killed. I have to believe God cares about that. And those, like you say, that are complicit or actively working for the killing of babies, how will you face God? How could you face God knowing my life, legacy, and career was the killing of human beings? I think the only reason it's advanced to this stage is because the church didn't take a stand against abortion. Now, abortion was basically thrust upon America through the corrupt courts. Mm -hmm. They legislated something that was against the majority of Americans' wishes. But when Roe versus Wade passed in 73, the church should have stood up and have taken a stand, and they just basically let that fight go. Mm -hmm. And I believe right now there is a huge uh, pushback against abortion because now all of the science is on the side that life begins at conception. Of course, the Bible says that Amen. Psalms 139. Before I was in, in, in um, where was it? Luke chapter one, where Mary went to visit Elizabeth, and uh, Elizabeth was six months pregnant, and John the Baptist leapt in the womb for yes. joy. So yes. there is a what the world calls a six-month fetus having joy and leaping for joy in Amen. the womb. The Bible teaches life begins at conception, but now all of the science also verifies this. Oh, yeah. At Roe versus Wade, there wasn't science as such because nobody had ever challenged it. And so in the absence of that, they went ahead and passed this, but now the science is on this side, and I believe that we are going to see the overturn of Roe versus Wade yes. in our lifetime, because even the president is against it. There is a huge movement. There's all of these heartbeat bills that are making their way to the Praise Supreme God. Court. You probably would know this better than I do, but I think it was Alabama, wasn't it, that just passed some kind of legislation that at, from the moment of conception, all abortion, yeah. except for the life of the mother, if her life was threatened, all abortion is illegal, and that's going to for certain go through the courts. Amen. Amen. Well, you know, at the instant of conception, the moment of conception, you've got the four criteria that science says is life. You've got a unique DNA print. You've got metabolism. You've got cell replication and cell growth at the instant of conception. I actually, last year I was speaking at a college, I met a group of secularists for life. and. You know, I, they need Jesus, but they were secular and they were anti-abortion, pro-life, because they said, look, the science is clear. That is a human being. Isn't that something? That's awesome. But really, part of what our founders would have said, if Jefferson and the founders could come back, they would have argued against Roe v. Wade based on natural law. Mm -hmm. that you are endowed by God with this thing called life, and I don't have the right to take it. You see? Now, how the courts pulled a fast one on the American people, they defended abortion, unrestricted abortion, on the right uh, of a, wom a woman's right to privacy, which, um, now here's the question. So as long as I'm in private, I can do, it makes it legitimate and legal. Murder is not... Uh, right, if you do it in private. Well, they dehumanize the baby exactly. to say it isn't a baby, yeah. it's a fetus, and they change the terminology and stuff. And you're right. Um, listen, the, the conversation that we should have had with our culture 45 years ago, 46 years ago, uh, if we had, if the church had stood up 
And, and frankly, not only the church, but good scholars and said, look, this is immoral. Anything that is against the moral knowledge, the moral code, is immoral. Mm -hmm. Abortion is immoral. Homosexuality is immoral. Absolutely. And so, do we love people? Of course. But what, we, what we're letting happen, Andrew, in not being the force for righteousness that we're called to be, and in not, frankly, educating our children and neighbors about our nation and our Constitution, we're allowing the systematic dismantling of, of the United States, and with that will go our liberties and freedoms. Ignorance is Satan's inroad into our life. It says in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, that all things that pertain unto life and godliness come through the knowledge of Him that is called Amen. us. Uh, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. And so, not only biblical knowledge, but if we had known that, like, for instance, the Supreme Court doesn't have the right or the authority to legislate anything. Mm -hmm. no. And when Roe versus Wade was passed, that should have been overturned. It should have been rejected. And I know that there's people watching this saying, well, you can't come against the Supreme Court. Did you know in the uh, 1950 or 1856, I believe it was, the Supreme Court had the Dred Scott decision yeah. and ruled that a black man was not a person, he was property. And Lincoln just basically rejected it and says, enforce it. You can't enforce anything. You don't have the right to determine these things. And he rejected it. Yes. And we fought a war over it. We did. And there's been many times that the Supreme Court has been wrong. But see, again, it's lack of knowledge, whether it's biblical knowledge, our American history or whatever, lack of knowledge is allowing Satan to get across things that couldn't have happened in the past because the people knew better. Our ignorance is hurting us big time. Three weeks ago, it was my privilege to do six public high school assemblies. That's one of the things I do. And, you know, you can, you can get in a fair amount of gospel merely by quoting the Founding Fathers. Mm -hmm. But I asked a group of high schoolers, um, how, how do laws get made? And they said, by the Supreme Court. Oh. I said, really? The, how many think the Supreme Court makes the laws? 85% of the high schoolers. And, and that's not so. But you're right. The, um, there's a word uh, I actually learned from David Barton, oligarchy. Yeah. When a small group of people yeah. run the, the masses. And the Supreme Court, um, as has been said, a, a, a group of unelected justices are becoming a legislative body. It's mm -hmm. not a representative republic like we really are, but an oligarchy. It's not functioning the way that the Constitution described it at all, and that's one of the things that's really allowed the liberals. If you look at the American public, the vast majority of the American public is not for the moral decay that we see happening. True. I think I've heard different stats. The homosexuals will claim that they are 12% of the population. Most people say it's around 2%. I've heard some say as low as 1 point exactly. something percent. And yet that 1 point something percent is driving things not because of the popular vote or anything. It's because of the uh, legislative, I'm mean, not the legislative, but the judicial yeah, branch exactly. primarily. They are they have activist judges in there that have pushed this stuff on the American public. Same thing with abortion. Exactly. Um, one researcher I read said um, at most 3% of the population ever experiences same-sex attraction and less than half of that ever acts on it. So you're, you're right. Um, and, you know, I always groan whenever these 10 and 12% figures are thrown out. 
and they quote the uh, Kinsey study from 60 mm -hmm. years ago, which was shown to be false. But no, um, let me say this. There's always going to be sinners and sin. There, there are going to be people that are immoral and promiscuous and dishonest. But what the founders gave us and we've enjoyed, frankly taken for granted for 240 years plus, that um, in a culture of sin, there's a way to balance and hold sin at, at restrained. The church, the home, good civil government. Mm -hmm. Dr. King said that in his 1963 Pulitzer Prize winning work, While We Can't Wait. They don't teach this in school anymore because it's a book steeped in Christianity. Dr. King said the civil rights movement is valid because we're all made in God's image. And he also said the laws of man are only valid to the degree that they harmonize with the law of God. And a righteous God has told us moral truth and we can make righteous laws only, said Dr. King, if we will make laws that square with the law of God. But I watch public schools, they don't talk too much about him anymore because his Christian worldview permeated the civil rights movement. Well, you know, it's, there's this, what they call political correctness. I call it the spirit of Antichrist. It is a demonic spirit yeah. that John talked about, and it is at work in this world. But here in our local area, Woodland Park, Colorado, we offered the uh, school system our facility debt-free. Seats 3,200 people. My we were going to not pay them for it so that they could do things. And uh, they talked about it, but they rejected it because they're afraid that people will be offended by a public school being in a Christian facility. And so they're going to pay and go down to the Pikes Peak Center, which I, I know that I've rented it for like $3,500 a day, sometimes $5,000 a day. They're going to pay all this money because of somehow or another this false idea of separation of church and state, which mm. is totally a misnomer yeah. and stuff. And it's just the spirit of Antichrist that has permeated all of this stuff. It's unreal. Uh, let me tell you a quick story of personal activism. I was in Western North Carolina and a, a lady came up and told me this story and I said, oh, you've got to tell me again. She brought a lot of her friends. I wrote an article that was put in Billy Graham's magazine. All right. Her son comes home from school. He's an elementary schooler, and there was a curriculum that was most inappropriate. That's all I'll say. And so she and some moms went to the school board meeting, and they said, look, our elementary school kids, this is not appropriate. It's very graphic. The school board was very dismissive and condescending. Look, we make the curriculum choices. Well, she said, it dawned on me. I prayed, and God revealed to me all these school board members that are putting in this very graphic, immoral curriculum to our elementary kids. She said, I know where they go to church. So we got their pastors to come with us to the school board meeting the next time. And she said, we got on the docket and we said, look, we want to again challenge this curriculum that's not appropriate. And, and they said, no, we've already, we tabled this. And she said, well, wait, before you dismiss us again, Mr. Smith, here's your pastor. Mr. Jones, here's your pastor. She said, if looks could kill, <laughs> she said, we just want you, as you all are on record with this immoral curriculum, your pastors are here. They went into chambers, they came out and they said, okay, we'll ditch the curriculum. Amen. Well, I'm sorry, Alex, but we're out of time. Uh, I'm going to let our announcer give the information, but we're offering two of Alex's book. We're going to put his website up there. 
and please take advantage of it. And I tell you, this has been really good. I appreciate you, Alex. I appreciate you standing up and speaking out on this. And praise God, I believe we're making a difference. There, there's culture. a revival coming and we can all be a part of it. We're in it. God bless you. We'll see you again next week. Hello, this is Andrew Womack, and I want to invite you to join me on September the 19th through the 21st in Woodbridge, Virginia. I'm going to be at the Hilton Memorial Chapel. We've been there many times and just always have great meetings. And this year, I'm going to have Jeremy and Sarah Pearsons with me. I promise you, these are some of the up-and-coming ministers in the body of Christ today. It's going to be a great time. Of course, we'll have Jamie with me, and we'll have Charlie and Jill LeBlanc doing praise and worship. It's just going to be a great time of ministry, of praise, uh, prayer for people. Remember, it's September the 19th through the 21st, Hilton Memorial Chapel in Woodbridge, Virginia. We've got a brand new feature on Gospel Truth TV, and that is the on-demand feature. And that's where if you aren't watching at the time your favorite program comes on, you can go back and get whatever you want to see on demand. It's a great new feature. Check it out at gospeltruth.tv. You know, I've got great news for those of you who've been wanting to partake of Karis, but you just can't move. You can't seem to uh, find how to fit it into your schedule. We now have what we call eCaris on this little iPad, and you get all of the first-year courses here. There's 39 courses, eight hours teaching per course. So that, I think, is 312 hours worth of teaching. It's loaded on here so that you don't have to have an internet connection. It comes with headphones, wireless headphones, and this way you can take advantage of the first year of Keras curriculum, whatever your situation is. And you can interact with our staff. You take tests. They know where you are in this process. It's just a great way to take advantage of it. Check it out, eCaris. We hope you enjoyed today's interview with Alex McFarland. If you'd like more information about Alex's ministry, or his books titled, The 10 Most Common Objections to Christianity, and The 21 Toughest Questions Your Kids Will Ask About Christianity and How to Answer Them Confidently, visit his website at alexmcfarland.com. Andrew would like to make his teaching titled, How to Stay Positive in a Negative World, available to you. This teaching is available in a CD album, as seen on TV DVD album, or as a live DVD album made from a Gospel Truth seminar. Each of these valuable resources is available for a gift of any amount. You can become a Grace Partner or order resources through our website at awmi.net. Or call our helpline Monday through Friday from 4.30 a.m. to 9.30 p.m. Mountain Time at 719-635-1111. To write us, use the address on your screen. We appreciate your generosity and hope to hear from you today. Andrew is relaunching his Living Commentary. This updated commentary is a Bible program for both Mac and PC, which allows you to study through the Bible with Andrew. For more information, go to our website at awmi.net.
You know, I believe we have the best phone center on the planet. We have testimonies every single day of lives that are being changed. And we've averaged somewhere around 36, 37,000 calls a month. It's just tremendous. But did you know we couldn't do this without our partners? Partners, you are the ones who make this happen. Every one of the people who answer our phones, they are paid employees. And uh, this is a ministry that is touching thousands of lives every month. And I just wanted to let you partners know that you are a big part of it. Thank you very much for what you've done. And thank you for being a part of the Andrew Womack Ministries Helpline.